0: Welcome to The Fintech Factor, the podcast for fintech operators and executives to understand what it takes to stand out in a crowded industry. I'm Alex Johnson. If anyone can now quickly and easily spin up a fintech company, thanks to the abundance of fintech infrastructure that we now have, how can any fintech company sustainably achieve competitive differentiation? Today's episode is about the corporate credit card and expense management market, Now, five years ago, this market was dead. There was no innovation taking place, and honestly, it looked like there never would be. Then all of a sudden, bam, multiple fintech startups jumped into this market with the intention of challenging American Express, which was the dominant legacy corporate credit card provider and better serving the underserved niches out there like venture-backed startups. Now, VCs, emboldened by the low interest rate environment at the time and excited by the theoretically enormous TAM, poured money into this space at a truly astonishing clip. In less than four years, four of the most prominent fintech startups in this space raised more than $3.5 billion. I'll say that again, $3.5 billion in less than four years. And the question I'm fascinated by is how is all that money being spent? How are the fintech companies in this space building out their products and digging out their competitive moats? For most of the companies in this space, it started with a card. They would spin up a business credit card and market it to startups and other SMBs using generous rewards funded by Interchange. Now, if you lived in San Francisco in 2019 or 2020, you probably saw some of these cards being advertised on billboards. The problem with this Interchange-led strategy was that it was a race to the bottom. And these companies knew that, so they pivoted. They started building out software to complement their cards, software designed to help finance teams solve larger expense management challenges inside their organizations, software that these fintech companies can charge licensing fees for, which has helped them become less dependent on interchange revenue. This is what most of the companies in the corporate credit card and expense management space have been doing. Most, but not all. In today's episode, I talk with Michael Sindesich, Executive Vice President and General Manager of TripActions Liquid, which is a corporate credit card and expense management solution that was built in a very different way. We talk about Michael's unusual journey into FinTech, the evolution of TripActions and the creation of Liquid, and why solving the last mile of your target customer's problem is essential to creating sustainable competitive differentiation. So now, without further ado, I present The FinTech Factor. Michael Sindesich, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Alex. Absolutely. So I wanted to get started by just giving a little background on yourself. Um, Obviously, you're the executive vice president and general manager at uh, TripActions Liquid, but can you kind of give us a little background on how you found yourself in fintech? What was your journey? It's a
1: good question. It's been an an exciting journey. I started working at TripActions about six and a half years ago you know, a lot of people know us uh, for corporate travel, but one of the frontiers that we decided to to build into is around the payments and the expense management space. So I wouldn't say that I was, you know, seeking out being in fintech or anything like that. We're trying to solve problems for our end users and our customers and, and uh, ultimately the office of the CFO. And um, the best way to do that was with TripActions Liquid, which is a, a fintech card-led expense management platform.
0: Awesome. That's great. Yeah. Sometimes I find FinTech just sort of happens to you rather than uh, you sort of consciously trying to jump into FinTech. So, sounds like that was your journey as well. Exactly.
1: You know, we saw it as the best avenue to provide value. And um, that's what led us on this whole wild journey. And uh, we've gone pretty deep in the space uh, at this point. So, excited to
0: share more about that today. Absolutely. Well, let's get into that. Um, The last question I have for you before we dive in there is. Just sort of a general question, who inspires you in fintech? Obviously, you've been in it for a while now, but who's sort of your inspiration?
1: There's quite a lot of um, people and, and players in the space at this point. But if I had to pick one, I would say it's Patrick Collison from Stripe. And I think really the reason why isn't too much to deal with uh, with FinTech actually, but it's more so around the hustle that, uh, you know, the brothers and Patrick specifically applied in the early days. I think, um, you know, a lot of people will talk about, I think it's called the Collison Effect or, or the Collison Installation. And it was about uh, them running around uh, Palo Alto and the Bay Area and just, you know, asking every customer, have you used us? Why haven't you used us? Uh, if you want to sign with us, let's go ahead and install it right now and we'll do it with you. And um, I think that kind of grind and push is is incredible. And it's something that uh, we embodied as well early on at Trip Actions.
0: That's a great one. I, I always think of the, the flywheel, which is a, a metaphor we like to use a lot in business and in tech. But the thing I th- don't think we talk enough about is that flywheels by their design are really heavy. Getting them going at the beginning involves a lot of grit and effort and pushing that's kind of unsexy and not always that fun, but absolutely necessary.
1: It's extremely manual, and a lot of times you don't know how it's going to scale, but that doesn't matter. The most important thing is getting the first users, getting a successful customer, and um, you figure out the scale part later. I can share more about what we used to do in the early days, too. I'm sure we'll get into it later.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, let's dive into that. So first, can you tell us a little bit about Trip Actions Liquid? What does the product do? How does it work? What problem is it focused on solving?
1: we wanna automate the entire expense management process. That's ultimately what TripActions Liquid is doing. And what it is and the way that we accomplish that is we deliver a corporate card to the customer, whether it's physical, virtual, all over the world in different currencies. And we basically provide the card paired with an expense management platform that takes in tons of context around the swipe where you're swiping it, who you're with, what's on your calendar, what's your department cost center region subsidiary, we plug into the HRS system. And also importantly, we know whether you're on a trip or not, because TripActions owns the end to end um, travel booking, all the way to travel agency to support to card to expense management. So it's the entire package and TripActions liquid is the card and expense portion of that entire package.
0: One thing I want to unpack for a second, because I think it's really relevant to this space, is the distinction between the card itself and the expense management platform. And the reason I want to dig into that for a second is that it seems like a lot of companies in this space started in one place or the other and are sort of converging towards a combined set of capabilities where you have the card, you have the payment vehicle, but you also have a set of software wrapped around it that sort of managed the use of that card within an organization. And you sort of mentioned the office of the CFO. Can you kind of talk about the combination of the card and the software and sort of what what each of them is doing in this product?
1: It's been an amazing thing to watch in the space. So if you look back a few years ago only, um, you had expense management platforms and you had corporate cards and companies would choose their corporate card. Oftentimes, you know, with their bank and whoever else they had a relationship, they would choose their expense management platform. There's a couple of key players out there. And all of a sudden, there's been a pretty big revolution with with fintech, right? And, and the fintech enablers, you look at the Stripes, the Marketas, the Adians, um, you know, Visa's getting more into technology, MasterCard. Everyone's kind of building infrastructure that then allowed companies to be able to combine corporate cards and expense management. And the expense management and corporate card piece, at least the way that we think about it at TripActions is not uh, different in any way. The card is the technology. Just because we have a physical product, it's encompassed and encapsulated by everything around technology. So when you swipe a card, uh, the ability to be able to see what the merchant is or the ability to even use level three data. So the point is, if I go to a Safeway and I buy you know, a Corona, a salad, and I pay for a 10 cent bag on checkout, I can actually see all of that information which then provides context and clues to help me automate the expense report. So now I know it should be a meal and maybe I was on a trip at that time that I swiped the card. So now I know the GL should map to a traveling meal or a meal while traveling, which then maps to my policy because of my level and and different employment and all of that status. I have a $75 a day per diem. So now I know that that swipe is actually something that should be within policy because it's part of my per diem while traveling. And so all of these things kind of combine together to really create an expense transaction that then can be automated from my finance team. Of course, the technology is all there. So if I need to change something on the app, if I wanna go on the web, if I'm an admin and I wanna approve or I wanna reject and I wanna request the employee spend, pay back because I went $5 over that can send me uh, a notification. I'm integrated through Plaid. I can one click and pay my company back instead of going through the, the long payroll process and cutting checks and all of that kind of stuff. So it's really this combination and the card is simply the vehicle to generate more visibility. And also, so I don't have to spend my own personal credit on expenses for the corporate, which is uh Kind of a messed up practice if you think about it, especially with expensive flights and hotels, and lots of times we have um, you know young travelers that that uh, may not have all the credit.
0: I remember that well, actually. I an um, earlier stop in my career, I was working for a a small company, and I was very new in my career, very young, did not exactly have credit cards with huge limits. And uh, they were like, yeah, we'd like you to to travel all over, but we need you to book it all on your personal card. And our process for getting through all of these expenses, it was fairly manual because it was a small company. They did their best, but boy, it took some time. And I think they tried to sort of sell me on the idea that the rewards I was racking up on my card would be worth it. But there were a few moments when the uh, the associated cash flow crunch became a bit of an issue. I, I wanted to to dig into that for one second, which is, I think there's a an organizational sort of structure problem that hides under a lot of this stuff which you were sort of hinting at which is that there's an issue between a lot of times the employee and the finance team right as it relates to expense management and There's a role for automation and making a lot of these things easier and simpler, but there's also, I would imagine, a job to be done around creating more of a collaborative and sort of less confrontational environment between employees and the finance team. Can you speak to that a little bit and how the the sort of software helps ameliorate some of those challenges?
1: First of all, just a a bit of an aside, but touching on your point on, on getting paid back and needing to wait. So... The card obviously helps that because you don't need to front your own money. You're using the the company's money and and paying for company expenses. If you ever are on liquid and forget your card or you know pay cash or anything like that, when you submit your expense, we route through the same automation. And uh, you know if I am traveling and buy a hot dog or a coffee, my boss doesn't care, right? It's part of meals. And I get paid back within 24 hours uh, back through some of the infrastructure that we've built out. We've got partners like Modern Treasury and, and of course, Plaid, to be able to facilitate some of these things. So it's a pretty amazing process. And that helps obviously with the discontentness between the employee and, and finance. Where I think we can help with all of this with fintech is uh, policies should be objective, right? So if your company has a policy that says a certain employee can spend a certain amount and can't spend a certain amount, technology applies those rules instead of manager judgment. And a lot of times you might work for a manager that really reviews expenses and scrutinizes them and questions them and, and denies them. But you know, a lot of people also work for a manager that will just rubber stamp and approve everything that goes through and technology and automation actually can remove a lot of the subjectiveness and make the entire process objective for the employees and for the finance team. These are the rules. These are the rules we set and let's use technology to apply those rules, um, black and white. Right. And so by automating most of those processes, by flagging the few that you actually need to review and maybe question and talk to a manager and these types of things, um, they can all be facilitated through the finance team. So finance wants to understand and know that they have control and get the visibility in real time and to spend, which cards allow you to do, but they want to know that those cards can be controlled and locked down and and aren't going to just you know go haywire or allow employees to do something crazy and that's a new development in the in the form of corporate cards especially when they're built by technology companies i think previously you would have a few cards out there at your company but a small majority of your employees would have the cards typically it's the higher up employees which then you know says something about the balance and can make uh, other employees not feel the same and you could only control the amount that you could spend per month. You couldn't have done this amazing control on, I can spend a certain amount on meals, I can spend a certain amount on team meals, a certain amount on Ubers and Lyfts, a different amount on hotels, uh, something else at Staples, right? And so that type of control is is um, completely unheard of and, and brand new in the space.
0: It reminds me, I used to work at FICO, and it reminds me a lot of sort of credit scoring and the advent of more automated technology-driven decisions in lending, whereas before it was very judgment-based and very much based on my perception of your qualifications that might relate more to your seniority or your age or your occupation or, you know, unfortunately your gender or your race. And, you know, today, while it's certainly not perfect, we've scrubbed a lot of those things out by applying a set of rules and standards more in an automated fashion that sort of takes a lot of that judgment out of it and does make the system feel fair. It's not perfect, but we're getting in the right direction. And it strikes me that this is very similar to that. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. So I want to pivot to the core question that we're going to ask every time on this podcast, the fintech factor, which is when you look at like liquid as just a Corporate Card and Expense Management Solution. And you referenced the the sort of wave of fintech that has hit this space. I was doing some research and found that um, in the last four years, just four of the sort of most prominent companies in this corporate card and expense management space have raised more than $3.5 billion in financing, right? So it's just an incredibly hot space where a lot of money and innovation is sort of flowing. When you sort of stack Liquid up against other products in the space, and given that we now have all of this fintech infrastructure that allows anyone to create a a corporate card and a lot of the building blocks associated with putting this together, how does Liquid stand out? What is your kind of core differentiation?
1: TripAction's Liquid is completely different uh, than anybody else because we have the entire end-to-end picture between travel, corporate card, and expense management. So when you think about it, roughly 70% of expenses at a typical company would be in some way, shape, or form tied to a trip. And yeah. when you think about policies for your company, right, we talked about giving cards to employees and and the control that the CFO wants. Ultimately, policy changes whether people are traveling or not. And so if I'm on a trip as a typical employee, usually then I can spend on meals or I can spend on taking a customer to dinner or something like that. If I'm Going to the office every day and I'm not on a trip, I wouldn't be allowed to spend in a typical, you know, work environment for a lunch, right? And so the context completely changes whether someone's on a trip or not. And then on top of that, payments in travel is so complicated. <laughs> like if you think about centralized payments in your travel platform and needing to reconcile that with every single trip at the month's end, when you think about travelers saving receipts and needing to input them when they get home, right? After a trip, you're tired, it's the weekend, you're with your kids, whatever, uh, needing to do that. When you think about hotel folios, and those are just so confusing. You've got the hotel, you've got taxes, VAT, GST, minibar, parking, uh, meals at the restaurant, right? These things can become so complicated. So the mess of travel and payments and expense is so complicated. And only if you own all three, can you create true visibility and real-time analytics and automation for both the finance team and the traveler? And that's where TripActions stacks up head and shoulders versus uh, versus anyone else. It, we're the only ones really automating the entire travel to expense to payback process. And that's where our focus is. It's not like a lot of the other card systems focusing on procurement or focusing on uh, other things on, on the finance suite. We're really
0: focused on the travel and the expense part. So as you're describing, obviously, the bulk of expenses that happen for most companies relate in some way to travel. And travel, because it's so common, but because it also affects policy so much, the context around travel is critical to fully automating the experience for both finance teams and for employees, right? Exactly. So on the travel piece, and I think this is maybe where... Folks who don't know the history might not be familiar, but can you talk about what it took to build out the travel component of what you guys do? Because, I mean, the name of the company is Trip Actions, right? I mean, travel is core to your DNA. And I know you've been at the company for a long time. Can you kind of walk us through the history of where that component to the solution came from? Because in a lot of ways, it seems like that's the oldest and most difficult part to build of the entire stack that you now have.
1: It's nearly impossible. Um, So I can give you a bit of context and background. So I I joined TripActions as the first go-to-market person, uh, first sales hire at the company when we were a little less than 10 people. You know what's similar to uh, Collison, why I like the Collison brothers a lot, is you can't just sell, travel, sign a contract, and you made money. It doesn't work like that. It's something where you have to generate usage and buy-in from both the buyer, but then ultimately the consumer, the employee and travel and expenses are something that actually touches every single employee at the company for the most part. Right. And so I like to think about our solution as almost like b 2 b to c and similar to the way that Patrick was running around trying to get adoption. You can't just have someone sign up. You need to have them implement and start accepting payments with it and start actually using it. And that was a ton of hustle, uh, you know, six and a half years ago. And um, there was a lot of things that were going for us, a lot of things that were headwinds as well, but we hired our first uh, CSM as well. And we hired our first SDR and I was the AE, and we actually all decided to move in together uh, four minutes walk from the office.
0: Wow, (laughs) wow, that's amazing.
1: Yeah. So, and, and that's what we used to do. We had, we sourced the deal, we closed the deal, we, we launched the deal and we got the deal successful. And it wasn't just, just that, right. It was, um, error logs on Slack. So anytime a user was in our product, trying to book a flight, they would get errors, right. The team was building the product and making it better and and growing it, but they would get errors. We would call the user, uh, immediately. And, and, uh, kind of creepy, but like, hey, we saw you were running into some trouble booking your trips or, you know, we would often sell to admins or EAs. And I remember having 30 G chats open with all the EAs, you know, in the morning. Hey, any trips to book today? Like it was (laughs) very, very atypical. Um, But that's why I love like some of these manual, like tough processes to really groom and grow your product um, and make sure that that it's going to work. But we started off by building... A, a travel booking platform. Uh, it was just mobile only in the beginning, and um, you know we were Silicon Valley people, so we said, oh, let's just connect to uh, APIs to book flights." But there's not sure. really such a thing that exists in the in the travel industry, and so we we partnered with Priceline. Uh, we launched some customers, and uh, all of a sudden, customers started complaining. There was no, you know, Southwest inventory, for example or they weren't getting their Marriott hotel points or or stuff like that cuz you're we booking through consumer and all of these like stuff that we ran into and then you need to pipe different inventory sources you need to partner with the GDS we needed a a travel agency to do the support uh, and to fulfill the tickets cuz they were licensed but we realized that we should build support in our own platform because you know if you call support and you, they're going to say, what's your record locator number? And you're like, well, I booked it through you guys. What are you talking about? You know, you should and, know and this.
0: Yeah,
1: exactly. And that's the disconnect when you use, you know, a legacy booking tool with a legacy agency that they're not perfectly talking together. We started offering chat and that was interesting to support. Right. So we decided we need to build our own support team in-house and then we needed to start applying for licenses to be able to fulfill content ourselves. So you became a
0: licensed travel agency.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And and I think we were one of the first ones to apply for a new license in the US in in years because the industry grows through acquisitions in the past and and you didn't see new agencies being spun up. So just, I would say like grueling uh, years of figuring it out and really understanding it and the infrastructure and the technology piece. And for me, I think that's what creates the best companies are the ones like, it's not just about building a cool tech product. I think that's great and you can create a legacy that way. But I I think that when you combine good technology with figuring out really, really insanely complex infrastructure and uh, basically like solving those problems together with technology, that's what creates legendary companies. And and that's something that we wanted to create at TripActions. So, yeah, very, very interesting times. Lots of headwinds, too. I can remember, you know, building a modern sales team at a travel agency. We would call cold call travel managers and they would pick up and be confused that we were calling them. And like, you know, I think if you're selling to a CFO or a head of sales, like, you know, they're kind of used to the cold calls, but we were applying modern tech sales to travel and travel. we were able to grow very fast uh, and sell like crazy through wow. through our sales process, and then offering a modern solution to the world.
0: So that kind of takes us through the beginning of sort of trip actions and how you grew into a full service travel booking platform, right? That was focused on. Was it focused on corporate travelers right right from the very beginning?
1: Yes, it was always focused on the traveler. We expanded a lot more to to really start covering. The travel manager, the admin, the the CFO, but we felt when approaching the market that um, we saw consumer like experiences approaching the workplace. So, for example, Rift for business, example Slack, example Zoom, right? And um, when we looked at the travel solutions out there, you can tell they were so geared toward the admin and the finance team, all of the policies and the rigidness and the the complexity with implementation and and you know setting everything up perfectly. We said, okay, let's pause all that stuff. Let's focus on creating a great traveler experience, and that's how we got a lot of our employees. They used it and they said, wow, I want to go work there. The experience is awesome, oh, and it's wow. also how we expanded, uh, you know, kind of quickly. Uh, and then, of course, we focus quite a lot on the admin uh, and more and, and and even with Liquid, it's uh, it's really a lot about the admin.
0: So that brings us up to, I think, right around when you guys started Liquid. And I want to sort of put this in context, right? Because the other thing that happened that was a huge deal for everyone in fintech, but was maybe even more so, in fact, I know it was a bigger deal in the travel industry, was obviously COVID-19, right? And so can you kind of talk us through that period where, I mean, obviously you're building, you're getting a lot of momentum in the travel space. COVID hits, obviously travel takes a huge hit that goes with it. What sort of is happening at that point? How are you thinking about the company, the product, where it's going?
1: It was incredible. So imagine starting when we were less than 10 employees, we built this incredible travel platform. We're expanding globally. We're growing offices. We're hiring like crazy. We reached a $4 billion private valuation. And at this point, about a, you know, six months prior to COVID, I had joined the Liquid team. It was small as the, you know, GM to, to go lead everything around the strategy and, and what we were doing. And we launched Liquid, which at the at the point was a virtual payments product you put in the travel platform. So it would generate a new card for every new booking. So it perfectly reconciles and was just an awesome solution. And the physical card really much more positioned as, hey, this is your kind of card. That's your travel buddy, right? You take it with you. It's on when you're traveling, can turn off control, but it's it was really more geared toward the traveler. We launched Liquid on February 25th of 2020. Oh uh, and a week later, go- we all got sent home, right? For the global <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> we were like, we were expecting, you know, we were continuing to grow. We were just killing it. And, um, and then the pandemic hit and yep. all travel stopped right pretty much all travel went to zero i told you earlier we make revenue when people are traveling and booking trips right we make supplier commissions and trip fees and the way card products work right you make interchange when people spend on the card yep and so for us we kind of had this moment of like oh my god what what do we do right there's no talks of vaccines there's like people are just not traveling locked down yeah locked down and we took a second to basically collect ourselves and say, okay, we want to make two bets. First of all, when you build a startup, I think uh, you you have insane uh, people around you that are very risky, right? And <laughs> yep. and um, people thrive on taking big bets and, and risking it. And we decided, you know, instead of kind of shutting the company down or like going in hibernation, we actually raised money immediately And we decided to double down on enterprise sales for TripActions as one of the decisions. So we won massive, massive accounts. And we, you know, imagine selling travel in a pandemic, right? But our pitch was, hey, the best time to change uh, travel systems is when nobody's traveling. And enterprises actually bought that message. And the rest of our travel competition, we really didn't see very much in our deals or just active out there. I think, you know, those companies were generally pretty people heavy, less tech forward. And so they kind of furloughed quite a lot of people and it allowed us an opening. So we we doubled down there. The other piece where we really, really doubled down is around Liquid to create not just our travel payments product, virtual card, physical card, but end-to-end expense management, and also just real all business spend. So um, to the point where even today, a lot of our spend on our platform, like almost half of it, is actually not travel related. People are putting their Zoom licenses, Slack licenses, AWS. And if the pandemic was bad for corporate travel, it was actually really good for visibility, distributed spend control, like kind of financial automation. And so we went out with those two things, um, and uh, n- you know now are coming out of the pandemic with with two really great products and a higher valuation than entering the pandemic. So it's been a, a quite a journey and a, a big roller coaster, but that's a startup.
0: There are many companies that have fascinating COVID stories, but that might be the most interesting one I've heard because the timing is just so stark. But to your point, there's a benefit to being able to assess where you are, take a breath, figure out what the ne- next big bets are that you're going to make, and you know benefit from when you know the conditions turn around right i think that's something that everyone in the fintech space seems to i think eventually learn is that pretty much all these conditions are cyclical and they will come back around and the bets you make sort of position you for the next cycle that you're headed into and i wanted to ask as it relates back to sort of assembling this trip actions liquid product stack I'm guessing that when you really started to figure out, okay, what are all the components that go into Liquid? How do we do all these pieces? Because you had done the hard work of assembling the travel booking agency and platform Can you talk us through the strategy for how you sort of navigated all of the fintech infrastructure options that were available to you? Because obviously you're going to be adding a card, virtual payments, a physical card, a full expense management suite with all of these different integrations, plaid, open banking data. How did you approach taking advantage of this fintech infrastructure while ensuring that the core value proposition that you were offering was still highly differentiated?
1: We spent a lot of time building the travel piece and infrastructure. And and one thing that I always say is like the fintech enablers, while they're amazing um, and what they've done is they've made it really easy to spin up a card, a card yep. product. It's like, yep. uh, you know, if, if corporate travel takes years and billions of investments and, and tons of employees and grit and and then you can show up one day and uh, in a month have a physical card product out there in the market with the brand and it's you know got your logo on it and and you're now doing expense management. In choosing our partners, first of all, the choices weren't as uh, broad as they are today uh, three three and a half years ago, right? Sure. So that was one. but one, we have a great product team. Uh, we know what we want to do, which is automate expense management. And then there's various constraints, right? Like, uh, can you raise money to do this? Debt facilities, warehouse facilities, can you capture receipts from from hotels and and get them in an automated way, right? Like there's there's these types of constraints we operate in. And then we choose partners that will help us get there, right? So Stripe was the, the first partner that we chose on the infrastructure side. They had US issuing at the time. They were focused on going international. And uh, most of our customers or a lot of our customers are either growing very fast and going global or they're already global in the mid-market or enterprise space. So that was attractive to us. Plaid was another one early on. We needed to get closer to the user, to connect to bank accounts, to be able to automate from your personal card with one click, right? So that helped us uh, through automation. Um, The guys at Modern Treasury are just incredible. You know, we took a bet on them early on, and and uh, these guys are seriously uh, amazing, and they've helped us uh, do payouts in different different areas, and and we j- we just you know we kind of look at all the space. We're always uh, looking at the different players out there and partnering with um, more and more people that can help us uh, grow fast and and automate expense management. That's kind of how we choose our partners.
0: So I think based on what you're describing, I would almost think of TripActions Liquid as a fintech adjacent product, but not really a fintech product in that it's focused on solving that sort of last mile problem for corporate travelers and for finance teams that are constantly dealing with finance travel expenses. Can you kind of talk us through how the combination of trip actions and liquid come together to sort of address that last mile problem and solve 100% of the challenge for those teams?
1: I can think of, two areas and where we're doing something that uh, no one else can, can basically solve because of the products and, and the solutions that we combine and provide. And it really stems around hotels. And one thing that we saw early on in the flag transactions of Liquid, meaning an admin needs to go in and review or ask the user to do something, uh, most of the expenses are automated, but we see sometimes there's something that an admin needs to do. And a majority of those cases were around hotel folios, and specifically around travelers not collecting the folios. So if you think about it, when you check out of a hotel, right, oftentimes you don't save that receipt. You don't stand in line. You get the receipt. Maybe they email it to your personal email. You miss it, and ultimately you just um, you you get to it later, right? And you're, then you're in the Uber. You're traveling. You, you forget about it, and then weeks or or months down the line, you're finally dealing with it. Maybe you're calling the hotel to get the folio. And it's it's just a sticky process for the traveler. And then on top of that, when you look at hotel folios, right? They're they are complex. Uh, they have you know all the meals, the the per diems, the taxes, the room charges, the restaurants, all that. And um, some companies even just lump that all in as hotel spend uh, or travel <laughs> spend, but it's really right. not. You have different things, and you need to apply policy to them and and uh, and all that. So one thing that TripActions Liquid does is we've built a bot that automatically captures the hotel folio and retrieves it from the hotel assuming the traveler hasn't got it and uploaded it within two days and that's the type of experience where all of a sudden traveler hasn't uploaded it two days later hey liquid retrieved your folio and uploaded it and not only did we do that then we ocr'd it we scanned it we itemized it and we we submitted it for you that's like an example of the the last mile piece that by combining the travel piece, knowing where they went, where they were staying, how many days, what it should roughly cost, matching that to the receipt, being able to capture that. Like that's the relentless focus on solving the last mile or 100% of the use cases and and really just trying to automate the entire process.
0: It reminds me of what you were saying earlier about you made the decision very early on to design for travelers first because there's sort of this this consumer wave that works its way back into businesses where if the employee of the business is just delighted by the experience the company's going to find a way to sort of double down because obviously productive happy employees are better for everyone and that strikes me as an example of wow as an employee if that happened automatically I would be just be delighted because I've had to hunt down those things myself manually and it's horrific I mean it's not like digging a ditch, but it's pretty painful in a sort of white collar context. I just can't can't do that every day. It's really painful. So that's a, a great example of how to start with that employee pain and work backwards into an automated solution that works for everybody.
1: Exactly. And then the admin uh, is delighted, right? Because they don't need to deal with uh, the expenses that haven't been submitted.
0: Oh man, one and a happy admin is the best possible thing for everyone. So that's uh, that's ultimately what what matters. I want to pivot to kind of a look forward. Obviously, you spent in particular the last three, three and a half years really deeply enmeshed in the fintech space. You know, looking at this sort of corporate card and expense management area. And I'm just kind of curious to get your take on when you look at the overall landscape, you know, obviously everyone has a slightly different business model, a different segment of customers that they're going after. Everyone's kind of making different big bets. How do you see the space evolving over the next, say, three to five years?
1: Up until five, six months ago, capital was really easy to raise. Interest rates were low. And uh, there were fintech enablers saying, use us to create a credit card and make interchange. (laughs) So so I think what you got is, uh, you know, over the last three years or four, you got a lot of companies that were created to capture interchange. And that was the main business model. And you didn't see a lot of um, charging SaaS licenses or ACV or anything like that. And you got this promise of, hey, I'm going to provide a little bit of visibility and give you an ability to control policy, create cards, and and let's capture a lot of spend and generate interchange. When interest rates go up, building that entire business of kind of giving credit or or loaning businesses money and allowing them to spend and and offset their payments and pay back later, that business gets really expensive. And the industry's built itself uh, in a bit of a... And a race to the bottom around, um, I can give you a higher rebate, right? Or I can give you these points or this rebate or that. And now that the industry is changing, the the economic environment's changing and interest rates are rising, I think that a lot of businesses are going to need to create other streams of income very quickly and rely on that SaaS business, rely on building tools for finance, for procurement, for other types of technology products that you can make money on. You know, lending is another one that some companies are doing. I think that's where the industry will evolve. And you see changes from some players. Some are going up market and charging for expense management. Some are, you know, doing more and more in in lending or or like international payments, cross-border, stuff like that. And I think that's where companies will go. I'm really glad that uh trip actions, one, is built and has an entire business around corporate travel. But two, on day one for Liquid, we charged license fees for oh, wow. for expense management and, mm-hmm. um, and we never competed in the, the rebate game. We're going to be the highest, right? We know where we can, uh, incentivize. We know what's going to make more money and better economics for the entire business. And that's what we rely on, but it wasn't easy to charge in a market where everyone else was offering something for free, but we knew our value and we knew that, um, charging would allow us to create a better product and, and stand up against, uh, even the players that are free.
0: I think that's a great point. Right. And it's something that's very counterintuitive, particularly, as you said, not only were sort of the, the, the interchange game attractive over the last three years and sort of funding was prevalent, but there was also this just insane pressure to grow as quickly as possible. Right. And so it was, hey, grow into every segment, go after every possible adjacent business that you could look at. You know, don't worry so much about the unit economics. Uh, We just want to grow as quickly as we can. And there is definitely a negative self-selection that develops over time with that, even in B2B, right? We talk about that in B2C a lot, but even in B2B, you're selecting for segments of customers that are taking advantage of the pricing that you're offering, but aren't necessarily getting a lot of value out of your platform. And I, I guess the thing I'm curious about is how did your decisions around charging for value and making sure that you were reinvesting in the product? How did that impact your ability to double down on that enterprise segment and like continue to go up market?
1: One thing that uh, we always did at TripActions as we were building more products is we said they need to stand alone as a good business uh, model. So one of the things we could have done is say, Hey, we're gonna we're gonna take some of the revenue from travel because we think we're being more sticky or we're incentivizing, you know, more adoption. So we're getting better hotel attachment rates and things like that. We never did that. We said, okay, based on our interchange, based on the SaaS revenue we're creating, we need to have a business that makes sense if you were to just take it out and say, is this a good business? And I think, you know, if you build multiple products and stuff like that, it's it's a best practice to approach it that way. And and that's how we did it. When it comes to like going up market and, and being able to grow and, and charge, um, our expansion rate has just been phenomenal with Liquid, right? TripActions Actions was growing really fast. And because we have this entire install base, because we have this brand, and because we have an adjacent product to the core product that adds more value and creates better experiences for the end user, it became a no-brainer. And we were able to take all of a sudden one day we've got, you know, let's call it 300 salespeople and CSMs. When we said products ready, boom, we just deployed that. And now we're selling into the install base. We're selling net new customers with the entire product suite. And um, it's been an incredible journey to to watch and see. And um, it was like anything early on, we had our dedicated sales team, CSM team. We were very small and scrappy figuring it out. But the second it was time to flip the switch and say, all right, we've got happy customers. We've got uh, really successful users. Let's go expand this. Um, We could do it really quickly.
0: So one question I want to ask uh, as we wrap up is if you could wave a magic wand, uh, what would be one thing that you'd like to be able to change in fintech and, and why? What's something you'd love to just be able to snap your fingers and change overnight?
1: I wish interchange uh, would go away. I wish uh, I wish companies <laughs> didn't need to rely or didn't rely on um, building their products and then giving rebates. Because what I see in the expense space is oftentimes it comes down to creating a false sense of competition or a false like view on things from the buyer on what's going to give me the highest rebate in the U.S. Again, it's different in in global markets. Uh, in the U.S. versus focusing on looking at the technology and really evaluating the automation and the savings and the real experience that you're going to get from technology for me it's a bit of a distraction i i wish uh, it wasn't a thing i wish we didn't need to give rebates and people weren't looking at that and they were really comparing uh products and i think eventually we'll get there but um you know if i could wave a magic wand tomorrow uh, i think that would be awesome
0: Well, there are um, certainly lots of other folks who would uh, shiver to hear that, but I think it's a great point. And even from like a founder's perspective, it seems to me that a lot of times those things kind of screw with your ability to figure out if you've gotten a product market fit, right? Like, are they buying your product and the value it provides and the automation you provides, or are they buying a better price that's essentially financed by interchange? So I think that's a, a great point and one that's important for the ecosystem to keep in mind. Yep. So I want to wrap up with one sort of final question, which is um, based on sort of the premise of this show, The Fintech Factor, if you were giving advice based on all the experience that you've had building TripActions and building TripActions Liquid, and you were talking to a, a fintech founder or operator who was maybe a little earlier in their journey towards building towards product market fit and really trying to figure out what that competitive differentiation can be. Again, in this world of abundant infrastructure and this pressure to grow really fast, what pieces of advice would you give them to sort of maximize that long-term competitive advantage and really set themselves up for creating, to use your words, a legendary company?
1: I have a few pieces of advice. And, and one of the first ones, uh, as I've gotten more and more into the fintech space and, and environment, is um, I wouldn't be so concerned with all the buzz and pizzazz of fintech. know, I love the fintech community and there's like amazing parties and shows and events and like, it's just so much fun. But if you're building a business, um, you have to focus first on solving the pain of whatever solution or whatever problem you're trying to solve. And maybe it's through fintech or blockchain or crypto or embedded finance or, you know, whatever the hype is around uh, in the in the recent, you know, recent markets. Right. But it's not about that. It's about finding a solution and solving it. And then you can start looking at all the different fintech landscape and players and enablers that are going to help you do that. But I don't think it's about creating a fintech because uh, it's going to be cool or provide some type of value. You have to understand the value you're going to provide first and the business you want to create around that. Then when you're creating the business from day one, you need to think about how you make money and can be profitable on the unit. And always have that in mind when you're creating your business and your product, because you can have changing environments, macroeconomics, things that might shift. But if you're always building a foundation that allows you to make money as a business and have a healthy business with great gross margins, then it allows you the room and the breadth. To be able to do things like campaigns or spiffs or certain types of uh, growth hacks that you want to do, to be able to test different things, but the core of the business needs to be a healthy one that can sustain you through all different types of environments. And then, lastly, it's it's really about doing whatever it takes to get the first healthy and happy customers that then you can create case studies around, you can replicate, and that can be champions for you out in the market. When you have that and you have a great business, then I think it's just about scale. And and uh, that that part's really fun. I think the beginning part is the the tough one.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, I, I will think for a long time about the story you told about um being on uh, Gmail chats with a bunch of uh, EAs in the morning trying to figure out how you could help them book trips. I mean, there's nothing more manual and gritty than starting to get that flywheel spinning at the very beginning. But uh, it sounds like those are all pieces of great advice. And thank you so much for coming on the FinTech Factor. This has been awesome.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It's been a really fun conversation.
0: Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more secrets to stand out in our crowded industry, make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to hear the next episode first. And if you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with a friend? I'll see you next time.